Well, hello, guys. Welcome to our Tuesday night hangout. Uh, as you can tell, we've kind of changed our uh, intro up a little bit. We are now on a different platform, and uh, it seemed to work pretty well. I was pretty impressed with it, and uh, like to welcome Brian and Will to the show tonight. Hey, guys. What's going on, guys? Good to be here. Really yeah, like so that intro, Eric. Yeah, that I, was awesome. It turned out pretty well. Um, hopefully later on, oh, we have another one coming in. There is Mark. Mark is here. Hey, guys. Um, Shane is working on uh, doing some stuff in the house right at the moment, so uh, he may join us a little later, um, but I'm sure he's in the background listening to us. So um, anyways, a little bit from last week about uh, Shane's motor. Um, we ended up last night, it took us about half an hour and we got that motor back together and he test fired it. He did not do the break in that he needs to do quite yet. He's been working and stuff. So hopefully maybe tomorrow he'll do the break in or Thursday. So um, anyways, uh, Will, what have you been doing for the past week? I've been uh, nursing a uh, <clears throat> stretched muscle, my left quad. I don't know, Brian, I don't know if I told you the story, but I, it was the last step on a successful launch, <laughs> and, and I pulled my left quad. And, uh, man, oh, man, I was not looking forward to that landing, but I knew it was coming. So uh, yeah, just been taking it easy and uh, looking forward to hitting the air here soon, maybe uh, Thursday. Nice. Brian, what about you? Man, I'm just itching to get back up in the sky. I haven't flown since the day after Christmas, and it's not due to any sort of injury. It's mainly just bad weather and bad timing. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm itching to get back up there, no doubt. Will, were you able to run out that landing after the uh, pulled muscle? No, I did it on launch. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. No, I just did a long foot drag to landing. <laughs> gotcha. uh, so I just hobbled along and made it happen. And hey, could have gone a whole lot worse. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to, to headed down to Florida to hopefully get some better weather down there and uh, hit up that fly in down there with Shane, hopefully. Nice. Yeah, that, that would be a fun one to go to. Mark, how's your week been? It looks like you're on mute. Um, my week is good. This, I'm uh, just working day shift for the first time in about 15 years or more. And so that's, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that, wondering when you were starting that. So you did start it. How's that? How's your body adjusting uh, to it? It's been fine. I just, today has been crazy busy because uh, I got home. We're going to fly tomorrow evening. So I had to put the box in the bed of my truck and then get it loaded. And so it's just been hectic ever since I got home from work. Oh, I see. Okay. Huh. And what fly-ins does everybody, is there flying this week that's coming up somewhere? There, the there's one, the uh, one, go ahead. Was it uh, Okeechobee Lake? Yeah, Lake Okeechobee, January 20th. Yeah. Okay. 
Mark, I'm sorry mm. to hear about your change of schedule, man. Has, has that had a major impact on your drinking schedule? <laughs> uh, I've been, I was, I've been on the wagon for about three, two and a half, two and a half to three months. And then I intentionally fell off the wagon this past weekend for the daughter's wedding. And uh, then I got back on it uh, Sunday morning. <laughs> I uh, saw pictures from the wedding. That was an amazing venue. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was nice. Yeah, nice. Um, so are you're now officially broke because the daughter took all the money, no more fly-ins for you or what? Yeah, that that's pretty close. That combined <laughs> with building a new house, rest assured, I'm going right. to be plenty broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, well, tonight's topic, we're uh, kind of thinking of one, and it's basically, you know, when is enough enough? So, you know, what do you do when things go bad? Um, who wants to start off on that one? I, I did want to say one thing before we get into it, that any comment from Eric or from me may or may not be from Eric or for me. <laughs> we kind of got our names mixed up there. But uh, anyways, just for whatever reason, just throwing that out there. <laughs> Well, at um, at Moonshiners Fly-In, that first day we were there, I uh, set up to launch and had a failed launch and uh, set back up again and failed a second time. And as soon as I failed that second time, uh, both of them, just the wing came up. You know, you know how Moonshiners was. Uh, the wing came up weird and, you know, I put it back down, set all the way back up again into the wind. And it did the same thing again. And that was it for me. Two tries. And I uh, just put it all away and had a drink. And uh, the next morning got up, laid it out, and took right off. But, yeah, I'll be quick to give up because if not, it might get expensive or dangerous. Right. Absolutely. Brian, what about you? What's your... uh... What's your threshold on failed launches? Um, I have had a few failed launches uh, when I was foot launching. Um, I haven't foot launched since I got my wheels back last summer. So I don't think I've had maybe one aborted launch attempt with my wheels. Um, I usually get the wing straightened out and go for it. Um, Honestly, I don't think I ever had a day where I packed up my gear and walked away and said, I give up for the day. I've, I've had a day where I failed two uh, forward launch attempts. I just was not running hard enough. <clears throat> and that third launch attempt, man, I just gave it everything I had. And um, I have a hard time walking away defeated um, and, and, and hanging my hat up. It's, I don't know if it's a pride thing or what. Um, it can get you in trouble, I'm sure. But... I didn't give up those couple of days. One was in a cow field and I hadn't flown in a couple of weeks and there was no wind and I was flying my old wing. And, uh, there was of course an audience of people wanting to see me fly for the first time. And, uh, I wanted to be successful. And, uh, third time, you know, I almost sat early, but I got in the air. So it, it could have ended differently, you know, cause the more you go for it, the more tired you get. Um, I've always gone by the three strike rule that I was taught at aviator. 
So basically, if you go out there and you make, you know, two big mistakes, you make a third one, you pack it up and go. Um, I have had days where I, I got to strike two, um, but I never had that third one and walked away. Not yet. But right. I've only got about 220 flights under my belt. So I'm, I'm still a newbie. Right. <clears throat> well, I have to say, yeah, the three strike rule applies to me, too. Um, <clears throat> I won't say that I have always uh, followed that to the T. But uh, the more I fly, the more I'm willing to uh, to abide by that. Um, <clears throat> it really the, the whole process starts it, it, before I even get to the field. You know, I kind of assess how I'm feeling. You know, if I'm really into it. And there's a couple of times, Brian. I was it was at uh, when we were uh, you were doing the, working with the training at Carolina PPG. I remember, I told you, I just man, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel you know, the, the doing it today. And there was a time where, when I would not have been okay with that. It's like, now nah, I'm here. I got to freaking fly. But, um, so my process, I guess the, the, the starts, I guess, before I even make my first launch attempt and then three strikes, definitely I'm out. I usually say at this point, if, if I've tried it a couple of times and it's just not, not working, uh, I'll just, at the very least, I'll take a break. doesn't mean I have to go home, um, but at the very least, just kind of, you know, reset, take a break and, and chill. Yeah. The, um, uh, for me, I, so moonshiners, you all know, I did not even attempt a foot launch. There wasn't a chance I was going to attempt a foot launch. I saw everybody blowing launches left and right. I'm like, yeah, I got wheels right there. I'll use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I mean, it, so I guess that's what's nice about having the wheels. Um, but even in Moonshiners, you know, I did I did blow a launch and uh, <clears throat> looked bad in front of my wife because she rolled right by me with an inflated wing and took off as she's looking at me. I'm like, that's great um but i think uh i think i have had the three launches that i've failed when i was doing foot launch and kind of like brian i pack it up to the side and then i'm gonna start my next three now has that uh have i destroyed things (laughs) absolutely (laughs) um i've i've done stupid things uh, like try to launch with my trimmers all the way out, realizing I cannot run 20 <laughs> miles an hour. So, but I figured if you give it enough gas and you jump into the seat, you'll get up to that 20 miles an hour. Doesn't work that way. So there again, now you're replacing a prop. Do you pack it up then? I don't know. I didn't. I replaced the prop and realized my trimmers were up, pulled them in, did another launch and took off and flew. Now, now the day I broke my prop um, doing a forward launch, um, I basically, uh, my posture was off and I gave it gas and I drove it down to my knees and broke a prop. I walked away that day because I didn't have another prop. And if I would have, I probably wouldn't have made another attempt at it. I've had plenty of days where I never make it out to the field because of, you know, doing the the mental and physical pre-flight check of myself, you know, is my mind in the state of mind where I need to be flying. 
you know, sometimes I don't pass that. I just don't feel like doing it. Um, I, I definitely don't cave to peer pressure when I'm in a place <clears throat> when everybody else is flying and, and <clears throat> I don't really cave to that too much, but, um, I don't give up when I, when I get out there, I bring my gear out there. I'm, I'm not going to give up very easily though, but right. it is sometimes pretty easy for me to give up before I get there though. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You know, we've, we've gone out flying or went out on the intentions of flying and got out to the airport and realized the winds are just maybe a little iffy, you know, going, you know, on trikes around that seven mile an hour range and with the trikes it's kind of hard when you inflate that at that wind speed it wants to pull you backwards a little bit which can get a little scary uh so we've kind of that seven mile an hour if it's if it's at that point we'll usually not fly um but i've gone out to the field where i've had uh during the pre-flight found things that were loose or and i didn't have the tool to tighten it up, you know, and it's, I will try everything. I'm sitting there with channel locks, trying to tighten a screw or sitting there with wire cutters, trying to tighten a nut so I can get up in the air. You know, I mean, unless it's, unless I don't have, um, I can't get that bolt tight or that screw tight, you know, I'm, I'm not going to fly, but if I can get something tight, I'm, I'm, I'm going. So the Daniel Roush in the chat, he says, still no broken props for me yet. So that's good. Yeah, that is awesome. Mad Sloper in the chat <clears throat> asked me how many spare props that I take with me when I go fly. I do have a spare prop with me, um, but I've only broken one prop. And so the spare prop I have is because of the one that I broke. And uh, so I, it was a wooden prop. <clears throat> and knock on wood, I never have to use it. <laughs> right. And if I break a prop, though, I can tell you this. It will be probably the end of my flying for that day. Knowing myself the way I, I do. Has anybody <laughs> ever broke a prop and, fl- and continue to fly that day? Who, me? Any of you. Oh, I have it. I have broken a prop, and then I had a three-blade as a spare, and I put that on. That's But that's when I had it full trimmers out, and I jumped into the seat thinking I would be able to jump and get to 20 miles an hour. (laughs) Didn't work. But uh, I did break a prop, and I replaced the prop. And Actually, what it was is I took the prop off of my trike. And I put it on my foot launch and then I continued flying. So that, that, uh, that I have done. Nick Griffith takes a whole motor out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you all hold yourself to that? Like, okay. Do you hold yourself to that three strikes rule? In other words, do you actually give it three strikes or do you ever get to the point where you're like, okay, I tried a couple of times and that's, I'm gonna take it easy. I usually go until I'm just beyond frustrated. <laughs> and at that point, it's best if I just not fly because I'm not in the proper mental 
uh, it, I'm not in the, the right mode to fly because I'm upset with myself. So, yeah. Um, I, I asked my que- myself the question is, uh, what were those mistakes? Because, you know, what, what do you classify as a mistake or a strike? You know, you forgot to put your sunglasses on before you took off or uh, you clipped in backwards. That's a bad one. You know, you know, c- certain things are, are pretty minor. And I look back at those two strikes. If they were minor, then, <clears throat> you know, I think I'm probably OK. But if you're getting in there and you're making stupid mistakes and you've made more than one, you probably ought to walk off the field. You know, stuff that you know better and you're, and you're making the mistakes, that those are strikes. Yeah. I've made a, I've made this mistake a few times, um, so packed up our uh, our little trailer with all of our stuff, and get out to the field where we're gonna fly, which was three hours away, and realize you forgot your wing. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you, I did not fly that day. Um, Strike but one, two, and three right there. <laughs> exactly. And then the other one was I loaded up the trailer and went out to our local airport and started unloading a trailer and um, realized I forgot Jade's wing. I flew that day. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I didn't fly that day either because I wasn't going to. Jade was going to meet me at the airport. I just told her, turn around and go home. I just loaded everything back up. I just... That that was the, that was, yeah, strike one, two, and three right there in one shot. Yeah. So short shortly after the time you left your wing, Eric, I uh, went to the field with some of my friends. Left my wing, and uh, a buddy of mine said I could fly his uh, twenty meter Gen Falcon, <laughs> and so I gave it the old college try, and then I ordered a new prop. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fail. So I still have not flown a 20 meter Gen Falcon. So what size meter wing do you normally fly, Mark? 23 and a half uh Apco Lift EZR. And and we went back and watched the video on that thing and I was just way too uh slow getting on the throttle that wing when it when it's coming up you better be wide open and going because it's not gonna just get up there and stay there like my wing will yeah the the day that i um forgot the wing and we drove three hours there was a guy that trained at the same place that we trained at that had a spare uh 31 meter and it was a, a mac paracharger um and I use that because I fly with a 28 meter. And uh, boy, let me tell you, it is like going from a um, just a standard car to a big Bodie Cadillac. And I mean, you just kind of float around. And I didn't realize how much difference it is until you actually fly a wing that you're basically under underweighted, you know, for that wing. Um but it would be fun to get on a faster wing to see how it does. So maybe I need to supply more props for myself before I try that. But I do in the fifth wheel, when we go to the fly-ins, I carry everything from 
any tools that I'm going to need all the way down to every spare part that I have for these things. So, and it's usually not me. If somebody needs something, I, I try to always have it. But um, I need a factory R motor. Yeah, that's the one thing I don't have. <laughs> um, but if I paint the engine block a nice tone of red, I think I, everybody will believe that I had one. So, but <clears throat> those are those are pretty decent uh, looking motors. So yeah. what else, what else do we have that uh, you know it's time to give it up when it's time to give it up? For sure, weather. You know, if uh, if the weather is, if you're guessing at the weather and you're like, ah, I really want to fly. The weather's crappy, but I really want to go. That's a uh, no go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, backing up just a little bit, <clears throat> if you ask yourself, what is the reason that someone smarter than myself came up with this three strikes and you're out rule? And, and let me, I'm going to add this to the, see if it works. Just a sec. There we go. Pilot aircraft, environment, and external pressures. Um, a lot of times, like, uh, for example, the couple of days ago, I was talking to my buddy and he was like, oh man, I tried the launch and I didn't have my leg straps secured. I, I didn't even buckle my leg straps. And I have done that, all right? But the reason I did that is because I was freaking frustrated and it was like my sixth launch attempt. So right there, I mean, it, had I stopped at the third one and cooled off and just, you know, took a deep breath, it probably would have been, it turned out okay and everything, but, you know, hey. So... Uh, that's the reason I take that as seriously as I do. And uh, I, I don't just make it a, uh, a, a launch attempt that counts as a strike. I'll go as far as saying, okay, this is a brand new LZ. I've never flown it before. Uh, it's a tight LZ or, or whatever. I'll kind of like put all that stuff together. And if, if, if it's a, a new field to me, I'm going to wait until conditions are just freaking perfect or until I'm, I'm feeling good about it or, or whatever. Um, and, and so, man, I, I take that a lot more seriously than I used to. I guess I don't want the flight quite as much as I, <laughs> as I, as I used to, if that makes any sense. You know, when I first started, I think um, I was willing to take a few more risks than I should have. And I've learned some lessons the hard way by doing that. Right. I think my, the biggest thing for me is uh, uh, when I guess I love being able to fly. I don't like to take off and land when there's people around watching and you know that we kind of attract people. Uh, we've had it to where there has been people driving around town trying to follow us because we'll go up and down the Wisconsin river and they'll try to figure out where we took off or where we land, uh -huh. um, you know, and to me, I mean, it's, it is cool that people watch, but it is kind of aggravating because you're the center of attention and I don't like being the center of attention 
because that's when I trip. That's when I, you know, that's when things really kind of go bad. So um, our instructor says, you know, that he, he does dumb stuff when the cameras come out. And I think we all tend to do that a little bit, you know, just got to learn to keep it to a minimum. That's just the human nature, though. I mean, we all feel good when people wave at us or they take a genuine interest in something that, that we truly love, you know. So, yeah, I, I get that. And you're right. we got to take it. Uh, I just got to check ourselves, I guess. Right. So does that, somebody want to answer Mad Sloper's question there or statement? I didn't see it. Uh, I have it up on the screen. It says, you guys are scaring me into buying lots of spare parts before I even take flight for the first time. Eh, don't worry about it, man. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Your instructor has spare parts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not the end of the world. I mean, if you want to be able to get guaranteed where you can be able to get back in the air that day, then you need to have spare parts on you. But more than likely, I mean, you can get a new prop or a lot of these things that we're breaking um the next day so you know through a lot of these so yeah that's not the end of the world you don't have to have all the parts in stock you can be back up in the air pretty quick but if you want to guarantee backup have a whole motor as a backup like nick griffin and if you're talking about uh at fly-ins just make sure that you fly the same stuff that eric has yeah no (laughs) (laughs) he's got your parts yeah. Hey, that's one reason I, I insisted on the Moster, because I knew that if I needed a part or something went wrong, chances are, you know, one of my buddies had experienced the same thing or would have an extra part laying around. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is now, so he's flying that new electric paramotor. So there's going to be some things that are just going to be, you know, for his paramotor. So those would be the parts that I would definitely look into. I don't know how his, the bolt pattern in on his prop or, or anything like that. Um, Chris uh, Fenimore said the service pack, uh, if one is available. Um, when we were down in Florida, Shane had the service pack. I was pretty impressed on what they actually had in there. Are you um, talking about the handy box? Yeah. Yeah. For the 185, I mean, they had gaskets. Um, the they had this the, the head O-ring. They had the uh, base gaskets for the jug. They had nuts, bolts, washers, spare spark plug. They had the springs for the exhaust with the cable and the heat shrink tubing. Oh man, they had all types of stuff in there. I, I was I was impressed by what was actually in there. Um, I probably spent twice as much buying it all individually, but um, yeah, it, it was a, it was a good kit. You just got to remember if you use something out of it, replace remember, it. Or, yeah, replace it, order it back up. So hey, Matt Sloper, I mean, his, his engine's got a lot less moving parts though. Right. So it might not be quite, quite the issue <clears throat> that it is for us two stroke guys. Yeah. I think it would be more self-inflicted repairs. It's just a motor. I mean, right? They're they're pretty reliable. I would I would think if you had problems with anything with an electric paramotor, it would be battery related or driver related, or a broken prop from failed launches. But uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a problem no matter what kind of propulsion you have. But I think that electric paramotors, man, if they can get the range maintenance, it's just going to go away for the most part. You don't have to worry yes. about all those problems you have with two stroke engines. Yeah. Well, you know, they had that poll on the Facebook, you know, about your average flights. And I think a lot of people's average flights are right around an hour. And, you mm -hmm. know, they're making those those batteries last an hour. Um, when we go out to Las Vegas, where he's at, I would like to look at that machine. I would, you know, and put some serious thought into something like that, because I I, I guarantee that half of our flights are under under an hour. So, well, I know with a gas engine, you lose power as you go up in altitude. That's not an issue with a motor either. Right. Um, same issue with the prop, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It'd be pretty cool. I, I, my, my average flights were somewhere around 30 or 40 minutes for over my first 150 flights. Um, and then when I got my wheels, they got longer because I always took off with a full tank. Now my average flight's a solid hour. Yeah. So, just rubbing it in, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my ankle hurts, but I don't have to run. It's no big deal. I'll just <laughs> wheel out there with my trike and make it look easy. Yeah. <laughs> nah, man, I love that retractor trike for sure. Yeah. The um, We've been flying up here with that, with the cold weather. And I will tell you that having a trike when it's cold outside is very convenient because it doesn't matter how much gear you put on or how many blankies you wrap up in, you're still just sitting in that seat and you don't have to worry about running. So that is one thing that I, I like about the wintertime trike flying. So I'll agree with you there. Although I do miss the foot launch. So yeah, yeah me too. You're just going to get down to minus 20 where you are tonight, Eric? Uh, That's just not right, man. Why? Uh, it's going to get down to 20 here, and that's that's like cold. Uh, let's see. Kind of looking here. I don't know. It's It's been cold. We're trying to get back into a warm snap and get above zero. <laughs> hey, when you sent me a picture of your trike out there on that frozen lake, guys, uh, I'm like, yep, I can never, ever complain again about cold. Yeah. Minus two, Brian. Can you believe that? Minus freaking two degrees and flying. But I tell you what, it was not. Maybe thing, maybe, maybe my brain got numb. I don't know. It It just wasn't that bad because everything was covered up. I had my. Baklava on my forehead. I had my goggles over that. I had my face covered. My neck was covered. The only thing that ever gets me is I use the liners with the um, outer shell, and right where the cuffs are, I get a little airflow that comes in there. And but I'm putting my hands down no matter what, and. Uh, so it doesn't blow in there all the time, but that's the only time that uh, it, anything gets a little chilly. And, and how long was this flight? Okay, well, I'm not saying it was a long flight. I mean, <laughs> I, 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 I went up, 
I went, um, basically got right back into the pattern to land. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. The, no, that was the... That so was so that, that little bit of air that was getting in around the wrist, that was pretty cold air, huh? I that bet was, it was, man. I bet <laughs> it went a long way. <laughs> actually, the two degree below zero flight was actually uh, long because I went from our lake to over to the Wisconsin River, which is just on the other side of a little bit of land. And you can fly up and down the river looking at all the ice fishermen that are out there. And then I did get back into the pattern and land. So, but yeah, it, we're not talking hour long flights. We're not talking half hour flights. So they are definitely short. But uh, so, oh, one other thing is we ended up taking one of our chase cams that we've 3D printed. Um, we used it and it would have worked absolutely perfectly if one of the lines didn't get caught around the uh, mount on the chase cam. So uh, it did fly pretty well. Got some good uh, footage, but it was a little crooked. So next time I go flying, which was probably going to be Thursday, um, I'm going to try it again. And hopefully we won't get a line caught up into that um, chase cam. So... So that's why it was crooked then. Yeah, well, it was on the sides where you're supposed to put the the um, bridle. All I did is I went into the holes and I tied the two together so it would go either way. And instead of tying it to the plastic, I just tied it to each other. So um, I think it... <laughs> got a little crooked um uh but yeah we'll try again well i am looking forward to uh test flying the patented lear red black red and black, black yep red and black chase can to match my wing that's gonna be awesome man hey, will yeah. do you have matching shoes yet i do yes i do good, good. indeed I'm surprised you would ask me that question, Eric. Really? Eric, Brian. Well, I figured Todd Scandrick's pretty close to you over there. He'd probably be giving you a time about it if you didn't have the right color shoes. <laughs> yeah, I, I need some blue and yellow shoes, by the way. Y'all can help help me find some. Blue and I'll yellow. Get, I'll have to get me some yellow uh um material and print you a blue and yellow uh chase cam. So, Walter wants to know if he missed much. Um, I guess he, we need to go ahead and start over for Walter. So you want to go ahead and start over again? Yeah, let's start this all go, over again. Go ahead, Eric. Right, exactly. Walter, what do you did, did you sleep in? Hey, what time is it over there? Like ten o'clock, ten thirty, something like that. I don't know, but he actually asked if he missed anything. Walter, you could miss this whole show, and you did not miss anything. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> He's in the future right now. Exactly. Oh, yeah, man. So who all do we have in the chat here? Let's see, we got Angela, Josh, Linda, Bill, Nick, Slow Days, Mad Sloper, Jade is in here, Walter, Tony, Nick, Chris, 
Let's see, Dan. Good deal. Well, glad you guys could all make it. You obviously don't have a life like us. So. <laughs> Chris. Um, but anyway, so what's coming up? Let's see. What is this? Y'all just cost me $430. Oh, boy. What? 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> Somebody just bought a spare prop. Right. It's kind of sounding like it. That's a lot for a prop. I, I think, uh, are the three plated that much? Well, that's that electric paramotor. I wonder if they have their own. It's a 140, I think he said. Yeah, yeah he, he did say. He, he mentioned that to me in the chat a while ago. I wonder if it's a Helix. I was, I was given a spare prop by uh, Brooke Sheffield and the Carolina PPG crew when I helped in an October class. So it's it's one of the uh, Helix ones. It's the heavier duty props. I haven't flown with it yet. But all the students signed it. Unfortunately, they all signed one blade instead of evenly signing both blades. Ah. So all, all the signatures are on this like real heavy um, silver paint pen ink or on mm -hmm. one blade. You think that's enough to unbalance it? No. 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 All right. So I got to spare. I mean, if it was me, I wouldn't do it. But since it's you, <laughs> yeah, man. I don't, don't want to fly with it. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> I thought you were going to frame that thing, man. I didn't know you were going to actually use it. I framed the broken props. I keep that one as a spare. <laughs> you know, that would have been cool. We should have, we could have uh, just signed the broken prop, but you didn't have that with you, did you? Mm, my camper yeah i had one of them with me probably but yeah we could have done that I, I broke two pretty good unfortunately i broke both halves pretty good when i break them so uh sending off for that other half has not really been an option yeah so that's a good point for people that are just get you know learning this um on the e-props if you break only half a prop don't throw the whole thing away um they have numbers on them and if you contact EPROP, they look back and see what that weight was on that prop, and they can make you a prop. They'll go through their inventory and send you one that um, will match that weight so you're not spending that much money, you know, on two halves. So, And I don't know about the Helix. Is Helix the same way? I don't know. I don't, yeah, know I don't, I don't think so. But I have half a e-prop in my garage that I need to get the other half ordered. I think they have a limited number of molds they use. And as long as you send them the serial number, they know which mold it came from, and they send you another half. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yeah. So seemed like the last time I checked, that was like, was it $200 for uh, half of a prop? Does that sound about right? I, I think it's 185 Yeah. Okay. Well, then there's, yeah, that, sure. there's that other guy that goes and repairs the props. Yep. And he puts a, it looks like a heat shrink tubing mm -hmm. around that prop. Um, and I think it's about this close to the same price. So hmm. he might yeah, be. Yeah, Sean Simons knows them. He can hook you up with them. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's like PPG prop repair or something like that. But anyway, yeah, he, it's like a couple hundred bucks to get your prop fixed. So it's cheaper than buying a new one for sure. 
Right. That's the fixed two halves, I think. But. Yeah, I still have my uh, EPROP. I think I should probably fix that too, or do the same thing, just, just order a, another half. Yeah, I contacted him when I broke that last prop and uh, sent him a picture and the measurement of just how much of the tip was knocked off of it. And he said it was a little too much for him to repair. Okay. Just a tip, huh? Just the yeah. tip. That's all it took. <laughs> just the tip can get expensive. So John here, he, he, he does it like I do. He's committed to the chaos and breaks both halves. I do the same thing. Yep. Eric's an overachiever. I am. <laughs> I will be honest. I have not done any damage to a frame, and I don't know how I break a prop and not the frame. I still haven't figured that out. But both I did times my prop hit the frame and left a little bitty ding in the titanium. That's it. Yeah. I did wreck some LED lights with the prop strike when I jumped into the seat. And, uh, but that was it. So no damage to the frame. What about when you broke your prop? Did the, the shard coming loose, did that go through your wing? Anybody have that kind of problem? Yep. <laughs> I got the, I got the hoop, the main frame, two spars and the wing. That was a little bit pricey, and I went inside and ordered a new pluma, so it got super expensive in a oh, hurry. Man. Mark just got it all over with it. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't messing around. Mark, I didn't have you in mind when I, when I asked that, but uh, when I did, I saw your reaction. Mark's like, yep. Yeah, yeah. From the other room, my wife just said, if I do it again, I might be getting a new wife, too. <laughs> Okay, so that was strike one. Did you get flying that day? Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Uh, for, yeah, for if, if you're not familiar with the sport or you're new to the sport, when I first started and I had for, I had uh, a pretty bad accident in flight number six, and I did not know that stuff like this sometimes happens, you know, and it was so bad for me that I was driving home thinking that, man, this sport's just not for me. I'm not going to continue on. There's just no way. But I mean, what I found is that sometimes, you know, uh, things get broken. It's just the, the grounds fees for this sport, you know, I mean, and uh, sometimes you're going to need to replace a prop or uh, which is what 300 bucks or 200 bucks, you know, for half, or you're going to need to replace a line, which is 20 bucks. Um, and it's not the end of the world is what I'm trying to say. So uh, it, and it's not a requirement that you break a prop either. <laughs> but uh, stuff happens sometimes and uh, we've all been there. Yeah. Now, we're not bragging about our broken props. No. I, wish I could sit here and tell you, Hey, I've got 500 flights. And I've never broken a prop, but uh, you know, we tell you the truth, reality, how it is. Um, none of us on this panel are perfect. We've all made mistakes for sure. And uh, sometimes they get expensive. The, yeah. Don't let it frustrate you out of the sport. If you're self-trained or something, you're breaking props, man, get proper instruction, proper training. You'll, you'll start saving some money on gear and um, a lot of frustration. Yeah, absolutely. What do you mean by that, Brian? Because that's that uh, as far as saving some gear and getting well, training. 
the, the saying goes, if you don't spend it on training, you're going to spend it on busted gear. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people that have been through the self-training um, have verified that this guest that we've had past shows. Um, there's always a few exceptions out there for sure. Yes. Did you self-train, Will? No, I didn't. I mean, not really. Uh, I had an instructor that uh, I was very disappointed in. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. Um, most of my quality instructor came from my local group that I fly with today. An awesome group. You for, you know uh, a lot of them. James Sutherland, um, Darren uh, Locklear, Alan. Surat, those guys kind of took me under their wing. And when I had a question, they'd help me out and give me little tips and tricks. And uh, so I did not absolutely did not sell train. I'm not one of those, those people because as a flight instructor, I know the, the value that goes along with good instruction. So I'm not saying it can't be done. It's just, uh, Hey, it, it's not for me. No, but you brought a good point up that when you are looking to get into this sport, it's good to get around those people that um, that are also in that sport, you know, t- that can help you uh, advance and get you going in the right direction so you're not getting hurt and you're not breaking equipment. Yeah, you know, that's, we've talked about that before you know, making sure that uh, everybody's uh, safe. I, I think that's, I think that should be like the number one, the very first step that anybody who's interested in the sport, even before they take a tandem ride, get with a local group of guys, hang out with them, you know, I mean, uh, uh, search Facebook for the, your, the biggest town near you and the word paramotor, something is bound to come up. Um, there are a wealth of information. They can point you in the right direction, keep you from making a huge costly mistake. Um, it's a win-win, you know, those guys love talking about paramotors and you'll love hearing what they have to say. Guarantee it. Right. Man, I had no idea anybody around me flew paramotors when I first got into the sport. I wouldn't have known who to reach out to in my area. Um, I mean, I just saw Tucker, his video, he recommended Aviator, and that's where I went. And the first paramotor I saw in person was Kyle Mooney doing the infinite tumble behind the red building. I was a man. (laughs) So I was hooked. I mean, I saw the YouTube videos. But if I was in North Carolina, I mean, it seems like y'all got a pilot on every corner around there, man. Um, I know a lot of people that fly paramotors in that area, but southeast Alabama is – you know, we got a few. I definitely didn't know of them before I got into paramotors. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, so I'm coming up on two years and it wasn't quite as uh, it wasn't quite as active two years ago as it is now. But I, to, talking about self self-training and, and stuff like that, I would travel two and a half hours every chance I got just to be able to fly with somebody who was more experienced. And uh, that's how serious I was about wanting to just kind of absorb 
the information and make sure I was doing it right and having someone look over my shoulder. Um, but, well, you, you're not too far from Kyle, Brian. You're not that far away from him, are you? Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's down in Louisiana. That's probably, uh, I don't know, about a six-hour drive or something like that for me. Um, yeah, Mark, you let's see, you didn't uh, fly by yourself very much early on either, did you? No, uh, I uh, I trained out in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, with Kyle Matula, and then I came home here, and we have eight pretty active pilots that all live within about 15 minutes of me that we all fly together. And then there is a a group of about 10 guys on the North side of Atlanta that are pretty active, but yeah, I've literally only flown by myself two times. So have, have y'all seen paramotors flying around where you live before you got into the sport in person? I had not. A buddy of mine at church, uh, he was telling me about it because he's one of the pilots in that lives down here by me. And uh, as soon as he told me about it, I was like, yep, sign me up. Right. Yeah, we never saw anybody up in northern Wisconsin flying around. And how I got into it is our neighbor, they were down in um, Alabama, Gulf Shores, Alabama, in their hotel room and they were looking at somebody launching off the beach and filming it. And they sent that to me and instantly it was like, okay, where do I sign? I, mm-hmm. I want to do this. And then I just told Jade to let's go look into this down in three hours South of us in Madison, Wisconsin. And then cohorts mm-hmm. turned to signing up too. <laughs> You see what Linda Anderson said? He About said, starting my own school? Yeah, Brian Waller could start his own school. You'd be an awesome instructor, Brian. I appreciate that, Will. Absolutely no doubt. awesome. I, I like yeah. working with people. I've got a place to do it. I might do it one day, but uh, it's not a goal at this point. I just want to fly. Are you going to line the runway up with hay bales? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just yeah, we, we, we had a really good north-south runway. Where I'm going to cut down some trees and add mm-hmm. an east-west runway where I'm at here at some point. But, uh, no, I, I would I would love to maybe do that one day. But uh, um, I definitely need to get a lot more experience under my belt before I start training people. Do you think that uh, if you open a school, you'll kind of wreck it for yourself because now you're not you're going to lose the time that you go flying? I think anybody can do it to whatever level you want to do it. Um, I mean, you don't have to be a, a full-time school all week, every week. I mean, you could schedule people and maybe work one week or one weekend a month, depending on what you wanted to do right? and how many people around you want to get into it. More than likely me training somebody is going to be after I eventually get my instructors rating, working with Carolina PPG and somebody around here that's a friend of mine is going to say, Hey, can you help me get into the sky? And right. and I'll, I'll probably work with them. That's probably how it'll start. Yeah. Good deal. How is it now, Brian? I mean, you got uh, buddies you fly with now, or any local guys, or? So there's uh, four guys that live in the Wiregrass area that I know of 
um, that fly paramotors. And we, we don't get together very often. Um, you know, they've come here and flown to my house a couple of times. We met at some other local airports a few times and flown together. Um, but for the most part, you know, I just go to fly-ins and fly home by myself. And when the weather's good, dad will go up in a plane. It's usually just me and him putting around. Um, my buddy lives about 10 miles away, just got a powered parachute. So we're going to have a PPG, PPC, and experimental aircraft all flying together. And I'm just going to try to stay the heck away from them because they got nasty vortexes. <laughs> Yeah. But no, I, I don't have a lot of locals around here to fly with. Um, not like you would living around somewhere like Atlanta, you know. Of course, you got more limitations there. You know, you got flight space regulations and, you know, we, we don't have that kind of airspace control here. Um, you know, we're in G airspace and it's it's good. We got a lot of farmland, a lot of outs, a lot of hay bales. There's about three months out of the year here where every field in it's got hay bales, it seems like, because either peanuts or cotton. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a good place to be. It's a bad time of the year for flying here though. Apparently the weather's kind of bad in the wintertime. Too windy. Hmm. Cold. It's not as cold as Wisconsin, but I was going to uh, say, did you no. just say cold? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Definitely windy. And I'm, I'm yeah. a wimp when, when I don't have somebody around me that's, more experienced flying to go up and be that wind dummy um, and to show me, Hey, you know, Wendy says 25 miles an hour up there, but he's flying and it's okay. You know, I don't, I don't usually have that when I'm at home by myself. So those are lots of days I, I send that balloon up and I'm, I look at it and like, eh, I think I'll stay on the ground when, when yeah. I could have probably been flying. So the, kind of going back a little bit as far as when we are talking about, you know, meeting up with people, there's a great um, website that Josh put out, which is PPG zone that you can find people that fly in your area or that are interested in paramotoring, you know, in your area and you can find them right on ppgzone.com. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's interested, go there, you can uh, find the locals. That's for sure. So I'm still waiting for the locals to start. Is that like Tinder, Eric? I'm not familiar. (laughs) You swipe left or right on that one? I can't remember. You swipe left if you want to fly with them. (laughs) Okay. Gotcha. So, um, (laughs) but I was, I went, I went on there uh, Sunday and I was looking at all the names he has. What was there? 500 registered people or think it was and you would be surprised on how many names you recognize you may not know them personally but you recognize the names and so that was uh that was pretty interesting so i just kind of went through and if i recognized the name clicked on it to follow them and and uh kind of see what you know what they're going to be up to so let's see there's one thing I wanted to uh, to mention, Eric, and I don't. I know I have. I've had uh, three engine outs. Um, I don't know Brian, Mark, Eric. I don't know if you guys. I'm, Eric, I know you have because I flew over you that one time when your throttle cable broke. Yeah. Um, have all you had engine outs? I've had uh, one engine out, and it was shortly after takeoff. I went to stow a brake, and I killed the motor. 
But as soon as I did it, I, I, I went ahead to stow the brakes to try and refire it, which I've never done in the air. And then I thought, ah, I'm so low. I went ahead and just gave up on that immediately, got my brake toggles back and landed back at my LZ, no problem. How high were you? Um, under 200 feet. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've had one. Um, I always wanted to practice a, a dead stick and killed my engine. I couldn't work up the courage early on to actually hit that kill button while I was in the air. But I never did until flight 150-something at Moonshiners. I'm circling around about to land because it's too bumpy. I'm not comfortable. And I'm, I'm adjusting my trim. And in the process of doing that, at less than 300 feet high, I headed towards power lines and, and trees. Um, about to turn on my final, I accidentally hit the kill switch. <clears throat> so, and I give a throttle, and I was like, that's not right. My engine's mm-hmm. dog. And so, luckily, my brakes were already stowed. So, I had to, th- I just came around, grabbed it, pulled it, and just like that, fired right back up, man. I was gone. Um, but it could have got hairy, but you know, I- I'm definitely a little more careful when I'm around that kill switch when I'm doing that now. But, um, after that, I went up and intentionally killed my engine. Probably a dozen times now at 500 to 1,000 feet. Restart, glide, um, just get up there and listen to the air. It's pretty cool. But mm-hmm. only one engine out, and it was not on purpose. Yeah, the one that uh, Will was talking about is we were down at Bad Apples, and I think I was probably about 100 feet in the air. Uh, I was heading towards the um, runway, and all of a sudden my cable came out of the throttle arm in the uh, behind me. So uh, that was, um, I had to land. And of course I landed in a field that probably had two feet of whatever they were growing wheat, <laughs> I think is what it was. And I looked to see what it was. I'm like, I can fix this right here. Now in the meantime, Shane quickly landed and got into the truck and came over, was starting to come over to where I was. Um, but I was able to get the throttle back into or cable back into the throttle arm. I laid out my wing on top of all the wheat and then I ran high knee in it the whole time until I got that wing up and I was able to take off. Now I will tell you, it was the most painful landing because if you have ever had wheat fall in between your shoe and your skin in your socks and it's rubbing up against, oh, that is painful. But, uh, yeah, um, that was a lot of fun. So um, that was my one engine out that I had. Other than that, we've been pretty lucky, but we keep these things, try to keep them as in great shape as possible. Yeah. Well, and, and I had, actually, I tried calling you on the phone Did, you, you actually answered, didn't you? I did. I did. While you had an engine out? And I was flying and I called him on the phone to make sure he was okay. Yeah. But, but hey, man, I don't hear your engine running. You might want to go ahead and recrank that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, okay. So on the, the, the one, three of the engine outs that I had, both of them, two of them had to do with, uh, uh, broken throttle cables. One was exactly like yours where the barrel thing came out of the, the 
I don't know, that little lever, you know what I'm talking about, Eric? Yep. The yes. lever, the, the little barrel that keeps locks it in place. Yes. And the other was just a flat out broken throttle cable. Uh, but the, the thing is, uh, all three times, it was really a non-event. And it, it, so long as you keep track of where the wind's coming from, and you always give yourself an out, always know where you're going to land. Um, you, I think you'll find that, yeah, it's just a matter of, of landing. You know, um, I was reading in the uh, paragliding book, and they were saying, you know, like the number one question that uh, normie people ask is, what happens if the motor stops? You know, <laughs> that his response was, well, you just fall out of the sky violently, you know. And yep. Of course, he says, no, man, you just freaking glide down and land. So, uh, so everyone here on the panels had an engine out and it was just about, it was just a matter of landing, right? Yep. Nothing, nothing dramatic. Yeah. Only need the engine to get up there. That's all. That's right. Don't need it to come down. <laughs> John's had three engine outs. John Bill Mayer. H. talks about landing in cotton. That also hurts. Um, man, I can imagine. I fly all over cotton pretty regularly here. And because in Alabama, southern Alabama, that's about the only snow you're ever going to see. And it's, it's beautiful to see. But I know if I ever have an engine out five feet over cotton, it's not going to be fun. You're probably going to shred your wing a little bit getting it out of there, too. I've seen plenty of people land in corn and come out undamaged. But, um, yeah, cotton would be another story. Eric, your engine out was at Hodges? Yes. Yeah, that was in wheat then. <laughs> that, oh, I don't know. I don't know what it yeah. was. I'm, from it, it was I'm guessing it's cotton, peanuts, or soybean. I think that's the only three things they grow down there, I think. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the only thing we grow up here is snow cones. So I have no <laughs> idea what it is. Icicles. Icicles. Uh, but uh, whatever it was got in my shoes, let me tell you, very scratchy. So, so what happens? Uh, what, what do you do when you take off and you realize maybe you have a brake wrapped line wrapped around? or a um, riser twist. I know what I was taught. Um, what were you guys taught as far as when you see stuff like that that happens? The best thing to do is just go for it, get in the air as quickly as possible, and then sort it out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> if, you have, if you see a problem on the ground while you're launching, you're, you always want to abort. And I, I have made that mistake once. And it cost me a brake wrap. So, but yeah, you uh, abort if you have the opportunity, sort it out, and then give it another go. Are yep. you talking about after you've, you, you realize that there's a problem after you've actually left the ground, Eric? Yeah. Or what, what we were taught is, um, you know, you're pilot in command. And if you can fly that, that machine up, uh, get up into the air. I mean, because if you're still able to fly it, get up in there and then work work out the situation when you're in the mm -hmm. air. Get up high enough, uh, work it out, you know, and and get the brake line undone. If you have a riser twist, do not unhook your carabiner and try to 
you'd have a hard time doing that. Um, trying, but I, us. Right. But I mean, as far as like your brake lines, as long as they're not, you know, there's not a lot of friction that's going to hold you in a right hand turn, mm-hmm. you know, try to work it out and get that, uh, get it sorted out and then enjoy your flight. So what were you, Will and, and Mark, what were you guys taught on stuff like that? Uh, I would say number one rule, just fly the freaking aircraft, no matter what fly the airplane or fly the paramotor. And uh, like everyone else said, get to a safe altitude and, and then assess the situation. Um, I've had uh, not too long ago, actually, I had a brake wrap. I was test test flying a new wing that I had never flown before. And uh, man, as soon as I lifted off it, I I realized what, what I had done. And uh, it was just, a matter of you know getting some safe altitude making sure that uh uh, first of all it was nothing that i could fix Mm -hmm. um and but the brakes were still responsive and i always had the option of going up above the pulleys and using uh the the back lines if i had to it didn't come to that Uh, and i landed safely and and no problem um, I, I guess, you know, I mean, it just not panicking will go a long way in resolving a lot of the issues. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing is don't panic. You know, you're the pilot in command. Once, once I realized that I had a brake wrap, but my main thing was just to maintain or keep climbing and fly the, the aircraft and then sort the problem. Um, where I made a mistake was, it was doing my first reverse down at Aviator. I had about a hundred launches under my belt. I was finally doing my first reverse, brought it up. No problem. Turn around. Everything looked good. And I started to go and I realized because I was flying with gloves, I had dropped my left brake. I did the clear to pulley and everything in my setup. Um, but I saw it right there. I was like, okay, there it is. I got it. Still got the wing under control. And I went when I should have laid the wing back down and checked it. Turns out that brake line was wrapped a couple times through the riser and I climbed out. Luckily I wasn't stuck in a left-hand turn and uh, was able to sort the problem, but main things don't panic. Yeah. Mark, we just saw that you just do tricks when you take off. So, I mean, I know that this is going to be a hard one for you to answer. Yeah. Great tricks. Yeah. Like they're saying, just, uh, you know, if you're able to fly it, fly it and get altitude and try and fix it there. And, uh, you know, just keep flying it till you get it back on the ground. Right. But in my, uh, on my engine out, uh, when I went back and watched the video from it, you can see where I bumped the kill switch, you know, and killed the motor, you know, on accident. And then there's everybody has horse fences you know, I was flying at my old house. So everybody has horse fences around there. And, uh, you know, and I had never really worked on spot landing. And uh, so you could hear my breathing was very intense, you know, as I came in. And luckily, you know, I was able to land it there in the yard, you know, in the middle of the yard. So it didn't matter. But but you could hear my breathing get real serious. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, the I was looking at that mad sloper. If the brake line is caught, just use the rear riser to steer the glider. You can also use the rears to for your brakes. So if it if, if that line actually broke, you can use those rear risers to give yourself some flare um, to help you land. But yeah, you can definitely turn by those. And land and go ahead. I was just going to say land upwind if at all possible. Yep. And brake lock is a bad thing. And thinking about that and listening to you guys talk about that, I if you had altitude, um, I think it might be a good idea to stow the brakes and play with those rear lines a little tiny bit maybe with some altitude and uh, – at least get an idea of how it feels, how it flies. I've never done that. Have y'all tried that? Yep. I have not. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, is also um, you don't want to use one toggle and then the other, you know, rear rise, you use them both equally. Yeah. You know, you don't want to one or the other, just pick a set and, and, and use them. Yeah. That figures. What else? Figures. Any y'all do big ears yet? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, man. Have so you done it, Brian? No, oh, man. Not even some baby ears. Oh, man. You got to get like 20 feet off the ground and just go for it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I saw if, what going if, for it in SIV class does for you. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. If nothing else, it'll help your YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, good hey. content. By the way, I finally got 500 subscribers as of yesterday. Whoop, whoop. Right on, man. Congratulations. Yeah, be catching wheel fly before you know it. Yep. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah, so the um, using those, those rear risers for um, turning, we did that for our training. And then part of the PPG3 is you have to perform big ears. And so with the trikes... Uh, not like the retractor trike, but the trikes that are the dedicated trikes, like Jade and I have. Go ahead, say could, it. R- real trikes. No, it's just it, just the <laughs> dedicated trike. Jade can't reach the uh, lines to grab to pull for big ears, so we had to put on little six-inch extensions. They're very similar to what you put on the brake pedal and the gas pedal for short people but vertically challenged vertically challenged so we had to put loops on there so she can pull those down and get her big ears and <laughs> she was able to do it it was pretty cool and it was funny because uh she's like okay you got to videotape this so she did it once and i realized that i didn't have it recording and then I told her on the radio, actually, the instructor did, okay, go around. He didn't get it on record. Do it again. So she's coming back at me, and I pushed record. And then when we said, okay, go ahead and do it, I accidentally pushed a button again to stop the record. So I didn't record at that time. The third time she went around, I dropped the iPad that I was holding. And the fourth time, I actually got it recorded. So. <laughs> She used your middle name. Did she? It, it, may, it, may, it may be serious, Eric. Oh, yeah. She says she's listening. 
Yeah, but she found out it was not it was not a big deal. Yeah, right? it's, it mean, really is not. So, um, but yeah, it was, and now, yeah, Big Ears is, is kind of neat to do. It looks cool. Um, it brings you, drops your altitude quickly, you know, so if you need to dump some altitude, it's a great way of doing that. Um, so, and there's very little, nothing really happens, you know, so nothing drastic. Uh-oh. Somebody let the dogs out. <laughs> the dogs out. I think that dog just barks. Here's the voices in her head. Oh, well. Sounds like a cocoa. It is. It is. All right. Well, our hour is up. What did you guys think of the new platform? Loved it. What did they think in the chat? You guys, what in the chat, what did you think of the platform as far as the intro and... Uh, everything it was it's a little different than what we've been doing it's easier for us um and we can change it up it's kind of neat how it all works out but uh if you guys liked it let me know give me a thumbs up if you didn't give me a thumbs down i don't care but uh no i'm 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 i like the uh the new platform it's very simple for us to use and we need simplicity so well, what uh, this next week, what all do you guys have planned? Will, what do you got planned for the week? Anything? Flying? Anything? Yeah, probably Thursday I'm going to give it a go and uh, see if I can get back up in the air without pulling anything. See how it goes. Good deal. Mark, mm. what about you? Um, I'm going to fly tomorrow. Tomorrow's our only good weather day. Uh, so I'm going to fly tomorrow evening and then got the rest of the week off and just going to hang out around the house. There you go. How's the new house coming? The new house. Um, they got they got the slab all finished, and uh, they got the lumber delivered, and I think they'll start framing it in the next day or two. All right, good deal. Yeah. And then, uh, Brian, what about you? What do you got planned for the week? Any flying? Oh man, I hope so. We uh, we need to fly our S twelve. We've done a little work on it, um, trying to get it ready to sell. And I'm looking at hopefully getting a new electric plane for my dad. He's always wanted one. So that that and working on other projects is kind of what I got planned for the next week and get ready for a fly-in down in Florida. Uh, Skinny Chef Shane's going to be down there, I heard. So hopefully go uh, fly with friends. There you go. And then, uh, Will, how can we find you on social media? You can find me on YouTube under Will Fly or willflyppg.com Mark, what about you? Uh, on YouTube at Paralife PPG. And Brian? Yep, ppgbrian.com takes you to my YouTube channel. Shout out to Paralife. Yes. <laughs> the uh, And you can find me here, ppglear.com uh, Let's see, Monday nights we have um, Sean Simons at PPG Grandpa on his show. And then Tuesday night we're here. Tomorrow we have Girls Just Want to Fly. It's going to be kind of a great show tomorrow. If, if you've seen the um, uh, previews, she's kind of done with it. She has a astronaut, one of the four of the civilian astronauts 
um, from SpaceX. Uh, she has one of them on her show tomorrow. So uh, really looking forward to that. Um, and then, of course, Thursday night, we have paraglidingtalk.com. And then Sunday night. Sunday night was a great show with uh, Josh Perry, where he does the reviews on the videos um, from that week prior. And he, he did a good job this last uh, this last week. So, um, guys, thanks for joining in here uh, in the panel. Thanks for the chat. You guys are all awesome. Uh, you guys are the reason we do this. Um, kind of keep us all together and that way when we go to the fly-ins we're not strangers so we will see you next week tune in tomorrow for a show it'll be good take care guys good night peace